you're listening to Podiatry Marketing, conversations on building a successful podiatry practice with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Welcome back to this week's episode of Podiatry Marketing. With me is my partner in crime, co-host, Big Jim McDonald. Jim, how are you doing today? Tyson, I'm doing fantastic. I'm ready to uh, to jump into some fun podiatry marketing topics with today and see uh, what we put our heads together, what we can come up with. So, I'm interested. What is today's topic? So today we're going to discuss why budget marketing services don't generate profits. I think uh, it's a topic that we touched on a little bit here and there, but you know, I think it's really important to understand what people get for their money when they invest in their marketing services. So were you going to call this, don't be a tight ass? Is that... Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say being a tight ass. I think, you know, you know, when we go to podiatry school or we go, we're in residency and we're, you know, high and mighty doctors, you know, yeah. in our scrubs, you know, scrubbing in for cases, uh, marketing feels like, you know, another cost on the balance sheet. So uh, I think as people get into private practice, they realize that's not the case. Uh, at the same time, you know, it, it's a bit of a mind shift or mindset uh, to, to kind of see that uh, marketing is not only something that uh, has to be done and checked off the list, but there's certain levels and certain like quality of marketing or the quality of the services provided like are not equal. And people are busy running their practice, taking care of their patients. And it can sometimes take a discerning eye to understand what the what an extra $500, an extra $1,000 a month will get you compared to kind of the bare bones marketing service providers. And I think people need to realize too, I think you get what you give. So podiatrists who really try to skimp on marketing or cut corners and try and do things on the cheap are the same people that usually complain, oh, my patients are always after a discount. And I'm thinking because your mar- I think your marketing really represents who you are. So if you're if you're handing out a... A, a, a photocopied sheet of paper that's been photocopied four or five times because you haven't been bothered going back and getting it redone properly or going back to the printer and printing something. I will just keep doing photocopies. To me, that reflects on your business. So if you try to be cheap, you attract cheap. So where where should people um, start? What, what sort of things should they really be considering? Yeah, I think it's first to kind of assess your options and know about your situation, right? Like if you're the only podiatrist within 500 miles or something, maybe this is less obvious to you or less necessary. Uh, But I think it is important for anyone that is in private practice to realize that, you know, the kind of the baseline, I'd say, for any type of marketing Can I jump in for a sec? Can I just jump in? For sure. When you said if, if you're in a town and there mightn't be another podiatrist for miles around you, I still think it's really important to... Keep the level of build a moat. <laughs> yeah, because you don't know who's going to come into town eventually. True. And like when I moved to Cairns, there was one podiatrist here, a three one three month waiting period to get in to see, see somebody to see one of their podiatrists. I came in and just blew them away because they didn't do any marketing. They said our clinic is built on our good reputation. And they're going, okay, well mine's going to be built on marketing, and it and it, and it was. I sold my clinic six years ago. The people that have taken it over just took their marketing back down to bare bones marketing. A new guy has come into town and he's got three clinics in town now, eight podiatrists, and is kicking their butt. So to me, I think even if you don't have competitors, I always think you should still keep try and keep your stand up. Therefore, you're going to get better quality patients. So sorry for interrupting, Jim. 
No, no, that's okay. I think I think it's it's like there's sometimes that uh, when you're kind of out there by yourself, you don't necessarily feel that that push, right? I think so. Yeah. You may not be getting the the people calling and that stuff, but but definitely, I think it is important to have some you know some level. I think that there is a level there that most podiatrists probably feel comfortable with. And when I talk to some of my colleagues or you know future clients, the kind of the level that I hear people talking about is usually somewhere along the lines of about. $500 in monthly budgeting services and then maybe $100 or $200 in like uh, ad spend, whether it be Google ads or local ads. So that's kind of, I would say it's like what is presented as what people need. And uh, when you, when you, when you go for that kind of like lower level and it may, it may seem like a lot when you're first getting started that, you know, 500 to $700, but really what you're going to be getting is like someone most likely that, you know, if it's a local provider, they may not know much about podiatry, right? Like just, mm. you know, plain and simple. They may be doing uh, the uh, the card store or the, the local drug store down the street. They might be trying to, the local restaurants. They may be a, a good local provider, but the amount of time and effort you're going to have to coach them up on podiatry and understanding what a bunionectomy is or what plantar fasciitis is to make sure that not only do they define what it is correctly, but also how you're going to treat it. It's going to take a long time to coach that person up. So the reason you decided to outsource this in the first place was probably to save time and, and to get more new patients or more of a certain type of patient. And you're already kind of almost getting yourself more work by bringing on someone that doesn't have that podiatry expertise or that podiatry knowledge. So in that budget range in a, from a local marketer, at least that's kind of what you're going to kind of get there. Yeah. And that's the difference between when you're talking to somebody who knows what they're doing. So if somebody was wanting help with online services, talking with you, who is a podiatrist, who's done this for a number of other podiatrists is going to make so much more sense. The same as if somebody, like I've bumped into people and they've gone, oh, I've been working with this uh, marketing company. They're not doing, say, the online posting for them, but helping them work out a strategic plan for their podiatry clinic. And I go, okay. I go, so how many podiatrists have they worked with in the past? Oh, no, they've never worked with one. And you just go, so you have to spend so much time trying to educate them on what you do, and then then they're going to do the marketing. When they could just come straight to someone like you or I who are podiatrists, we know how to actually market a business. Yeah, I definitely under agree with that. I think it is tough, though. I think sometimes those social ties or those like friends of friends can sometimes find their way in there. And it feels like a good thing in the moment. But like you said, someone who has that domain expertise is going to be able to, you know, this is, you know, something that we do all the time. So obviously, we have a certain level of insight in uh, trial and error on, you know, not necessarily trial and error, but, you know, we've had the experience of working with people with podiatrists in the past. So we, we know those things that works and doesn't work. You don't have to spend that extra time either coaching them up or you know experimenting in things that may or may not pan out uh, to help build the practice. So I think that's that's the important uh, kind of first thing. Uh, the second thing I would say that's important is that you know if you do move into more of a podiatry or healthcare marketing service mm. for that 500 or $700 a month, you're not gonna have local exclusivity of that marketing provider. Um, they just they like you're, that's such a low price point for them. They're going to try to get as many people in that local area or that city a, as possible, and then that just sets up kind of a conflict of interest at that point of time, where you know unless you ask that question to them when you're sourcing your service provider, like you may not know. Uh, I, I've actually seen it happen where 
two podiatry clinics were rebranded with the exact same clinic name 23 miles apart. And I, I had to tell the, the clinic saying, hey, like, do you know that there's a podiatry clinic just down the road from you with the exact same name rebranded by the exact same podiatry, you know, healthcare marketing company? Yeah. Those are not fun conversations to have. So it's important to understand that local uh, exclusivity uh, to your service provider. Yeah, because that, I could understand that too. If you've got somebody who you're paying a lot more than 500, you might be paying a couple of grand to, you want that exclusivity in your area. But if you've got a marketer, a local marketer, and they're dealing with five or six podiatrists who only want to pay minimum amount, bare bones, sort of help, they need to have a number of them to actually make it worthwhile. Plus, and I've seen it where there will be three or four podiatry clinics, and I can tell who they work with because everything that is posted for them, it's the same stuff. And it's it's so obvious that it's come from the same place. So they, they need to sort of mix it up a little bit. No, for sure. It's unfortunate there. I think that it's just like a, it's important to have these kind of hard conversations or ask these questions just so you know what you're getting yourself into. You know, if you choose to like ignore that they're working with the clinic down the street or that's a possibility, that's up to you. But just yeah. realize that that is a possibility unless you ask that question and kind of have that due diligence about how that company or how that person operates. So what's next? What else should they be looking for? I think they should also be looking as far as um, when people are coming hard at them uh, with like a low price or uh, something that is maybe just volume of patients, maybe not the type of patients, or we're going to get you 30 new patients this month or 50 <laughs> new patients this month. When that's kind of the hook, um, generally they're not really focused on you um, yeah. and, and customizing your website to make sure that your online presence is something that is long-term value add and it kind of gains momentum for you and for what you want to do in your practice. Because a lot of these folks will, um, or these agencies will sometimes make your website that's kind of indistinguishable from any other clinic down the street, across the country, across the globe. And it doesn't really highlight those unique aspects of who you are and what you want to provide. So I would say that just be careful when people either make promises about a certain number of new patients, or they're just like, you know, we are the lowest cost provider. Um, when they're really pushing those two things, to me, that's a red flag. And it's something you have to be aware of. Uh, and that, that like you just, just bells should kind of go off in the back of your head if they keep on harping on those kind of like features or value adds. I've noticed a lot of those companies, it's it's more about churn and burn. Is mm -hmm. they, they will make these claims. Oh, we'll get you 50 new patients next week. Here's John. John saw 200 new patients last month. I think, well, John must have been sitting right. on his ass the month before for him to be able to fit in 200 new patients. They make all these big claims because I think that they're also chasing the low-hanging fruit. They're chasing the people that, oh, I don't want to spend a lot of money. So, oh, this guy sounds good. He can get me 50 new patients next week and all I've got to do is, is this. And what normally happens is they'll take them on and they just churn through them, they burn them, and then they go for the next group of people that are just looking for the yeah, they're chasing low-hanging fruit and there's a lot of low-hanging fruit out there no for sure and i think you kind of like touched on exactly that next point and that's kind of most of these larger agencies uh, that you'll see out there that are you know kind of like making very lucrative offers or cold calling you or cold emailing you are generally in it for the kind of the volume game i would say like it's a volume play for them to basically reach out to 
5,000 podiatrists. They know they're going to get two or 3% to, to kind of buy in. And they just keep on pounding and keep on pounding on doors until people come with them. Yeah. Um, they usually have a very templated website. It's a very kind of copy and paste model for the type of websites they'll create. It'll be this like slideshow image on the homepage with like non-specific imagery throughout the entire website you know, with some decent pages, but just very generic content that doesn't separate you from anyone else. And what you'll find is that, um, you know, like I said, this will be something where it, they, they really focus on the volume of, of customers and the number of clinics that they work with and not the kind of in-depth quality customization piece. Because I think that is something that separates someone that's doing more, I would say, boutique or someone that's going to work with five, 10 or 15 practices in a very detailed in-depth way versus, you know, a, a big organization that has, um, relationship management, a sales team, a CEO, when there's, you know, more than 10 or 15 people within an organization, or even maybe an eight person organization, like sales is probably gonna be half of those people because they got to just bring in new new bodies and new clinics every month in order to kind of make payroll in order to kind of keep revenue churning inside that agency but what we really want to focus in is long-term results and long-term relationships with your providers um and that can sometimes cost a bit more well i would expect it would cost a bit more it's it's to me it's no different do i does your patient want a does your patient want or just need a pre-made orthotic off the shelf and are you the are you the clinic that's all you give out? You just pump out these pre-made orthotics because you couldn't be bothered doing the hard work and learning more about, say, custom-made orthotics. Not, and you're doing that purely because you might be a bit lazy. And I think marketers can be the same, but they're just pumping out pre-made pre-made templates on what your clinic needs without really finding out what does your clinic need. So going back to I'm not bagging patients that I'm not bagging podiatrists that use pre-made orthotics or off-the-shelf orthotics, but if the person walks in without you even really digging deep into what was their problem, what have they come in with, and do you have a, a solution, it's just like, oh, here, just use this pre because it's easier. And I think some marketing companies do that as well. Yeah, I mean, they have kind of a, sometimes they have kind of a cookie cutter, um, you know, plant, uh, different types of plans or different components of a plan that they basically just try to sell to everybody and without any kind of true due diligence about who you are as a practice, who you are as a practitioner, you know, what you're trying to get out of, you know, what brings you joy in your practice. It takes some time to kind of build that trust uh, and that relationship in order to really kind of like have long-term success and long-term results. So what else, what else should they be talking about or looking out for or being aware of? Yeah, I think that the kind of the fifth point is kind of just be aware that there's kind of information asymmetry out there. And what I mean by that is that, um, there's sometimes like, like, like I mentioned, there's like tough questions or hard conversations that, you know, if you are going to work with someone, they should bring up to you in a straightforward manner. I think the most uh, important thing that I will sometimes talk to my clients about is that, you know, if you're just going to like spend a hundred dollars on Google ads, for example, you're always going to feel like it doesn't work. Yeah. And, and the reason that is, is that it has to have your, your ad spend or the type of marketing you're doing has to kind of get above the noise or above this certain level of threshold threshold before it really kind of hits and you start seeing that momentum and that traction. And it's not, you don't have to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars, but you have to reach that certain threshold based on where your practice, what you're wanting to go after. There's, there's different kinds of 
um, criteria to be aware of. Um, but sometimes people will just tell you what you want to hear. Uh, you know, they just say, oh yeah, we've had fantastic, fantastic success with my, this $500 plan with everybody we use or, you know, oh yeah, don't worry about it. Like hundred dollars or $200 of Google ads is just fine. That works for people. But there are these kind of like levels of asymmetry where you have to know, I mean, podiatrists know plantar fasciitis and how to treat patients and how to you know run a good office. A lot of them do. Um, but these kind of like small little details or these things, you don't know how Google ads work. So you don't know, like, why should you spend $500 instead of a hundred or a thousand instead of a hundred? You don't intuitively know those things because you're not working in this every day. So that will sometimes, you know, that's sometimes a, a weak spot or a blind spot that, uh, clinic owners have, uh, because not only does Google kind of hide it in some ways, but sometimes people that utilize Google ads or uh, marketing services know that you don't know those things um, and will kind of use it to their advantage. So I think it's important to have, like I said, you have to find ways to build trust, um, you know, it, kind of these harder conversations uh, to make sure that you kind of are on the same path and you you're aligned with the interests that the, the the marketer or the marketing service provider you're working with is aligned with your best interest long term. Um, it's just kind of like clarifying these areas of uh, information asymmetry and having these kind of harder conversations is like a super positive thing to start off a relationship with. Yeah, I, I, I like the part then you said about trust as well, because it is, I think sometimes when people are, are thinking about getting someone to help them with their marketing, Trust is a big part of it, and they want to. Oh, if I only spend a small amount, maybe I'll build tr I'll build trust up with them, and I'll spend more later. Whereas they're going, oh, if I spend too much, am I getting ripped off? Because I don't I don't trust this person yet. So maybe maybe they're coming into it with the mindset of I I need to build trust, but at the same time, like you're not going to get reports. Like you might get a report from somebody if you're only spending five hundred dollars a month. The report they give you might be a really detailed report but I don't think they're going to explain it too much because they don't have the time to, because you haven't paid for the explanation. You've just paid for <laughs> the results and then it's up to you to determine whether it was good or not. I completely agree with him that that dovetails right into like our last topic. And that is the, the kind of realizing that these lower cost providers are set up for kind of what I call like the build and coast framework. Meaning that, like you said, Tyson, uh, maybe they may provide you some amazing automated reporting uh, through a PDF that they email you at the end of the month, but are they gonna take the time to really not only send you that report, but explain it to you in ways that you can understand and how it's, how it's benefiting your practice uh, in a very straightforward way. I think it is one of those things that can be tough because um, it, it, paying for people's time can be expensive, but if you're getting results from it and it's really helping you customize uh, your practice and the marketing approach you're taking to it that grows the practice in the direction you want to, it's definitely worth it. But in order to allow for time for this reporting and also for experimentation, right? Like we talked about a lot of that in the past to give a marketer or marketing service provider the chance to say, Hey, I've analyzed some things. I think we have an opportunity here. I think we should try maybe a Facebook, local Facebook campaign about plantar fasciitis or about ingrown toenails. It's worked pretty well with some of my previous clients, but we should experiment here. What do you think? And having that conversation. So there is that continuing building of relationship. And it's not just a email report relationship because um, once people sign though, once you're kind of like sign that year contract or two year contract, um, you're kind of locked in. And 
a lot of marketing providers will know that. So if someone's trying to lock you in for a year or two years, there's a, there's a lock-in factor and they know that it's going to be really tough for you to want to switch. Mm. So I think it is important to the build-in coast as well as that, like you, be, you should be committed to the person you're doing your marketing with. Um, this is going to take six to 12 months. Know that in the back of your mind, but it's also one of those things that um, when you do, if you do sign up for a lower cost provider, that lock-in will be much harder to, to get out of um, uh, as you go along. So it, it may be worth doing that due diligence so you don't get stuck in that kind of build and coast relationship. Yeah, I think you do have to be wary of who you work with. It's, it's like anything. You've got to do your homework. You've got to talk to other people. Who have they worked with? Who have they been happy with? Have they got the results? And it's not just a pretty report that you get at the end of the month. Because I talk to a lot of podiatrists, the amount they will tell me, oh, no, no, I get a really detailed report and it tells me how many people went to this page and how many went to this. And I go, okay, how many phone calls did you get though? Based on what it was you were trying to promote that month or that quarter. And they go, oh, I've got a lot of people going to my website now. I go, well, how long are they staying there for? Is Are they staying there for a long period of time? Are they going to the pages you want? Or are they just turning up and going, uh-uh, and then basically leaving again? I think it's important to have those conversations. I've, I've been doing these um, like three-hour brainstorming sessions with podiatrists, and they book in three hours. They pay for the three hours, and we might spend the whole three hours just on who is their ideal patient. And when we finish, and then that bases on what sort of marketing they want to do, then they can go and run off and find. They can come and talk with you, Jim. They can talk with their different marketing providers. But the amount that have finished that and gone my God, I'm, I'm looking at my marketing. I've been looking at my marketing wrong. No wonder it hasn't been working because they've gone straight to tactics without first going to strategy. And I think that people that go cheap are going for cheap tactics, not a long-term uh, marketing strategy. Well, I think it's also like, you, I think that's a perfect example you talked about there. I think it is, they do, do jump to the tactics or strategy, but it also comes from a place where they feel like they have to do it and they don't necessarily understand the benefits it can bring, right? Mm. So when you when you kind of go for low cost or something like, oh yes, like I'm gonna check off the box. Yes, I need a website. Yes, I need uh, uh, maybe a Facebook page. Yes, I need a little bit of Google ads. Okay, I've done those things. I paid, you know, $500, $750 a month. I'm good, I can move on to the next thing. Cause I can understand that a lot of podiatrists don't, you know, either they don't like this aspect of the practice um, they're happy just to kind of like turn a blind eye to what's happening. But I think for as little as like, you know, a thousand, two thousand, sometimes three thousand dollars per month, like exponential improvements can be made, not only in the volume of patients, but the type of patients um, to really help people achieve their goals. And if they understand that going into making, you know, having the discussions with service providers, it'll be a much better place. Um, to understand what's really available out there as opposed to just like, well, yep, I need, I need those three things. I checked them off the box and now it's time to move on to the next thing. And I'll look at that contract next year when it's up. Um, if you're going to do that, you're really not going to get much benefit from it. It'll be, it'll continue to be a cost and it won't be an investment. Yep. I think that's a really good point. So any final point before we wrap up? No, I think it's, I think you bring up some good, um, you had some good questions there and some good feedback. I think I think if people do have questions or ideas, these are definitely things that Tyson and I love to talk about. Uh, whether it's you know finding your ideal patient, uh, just kind of high level brainstorming, 
you know, Tyson is definitely a, a great resource, a, a great communicator and someone to definitely for you guys to reach out uh, and get in touch with. If you do have questions about different marketing service providers in the podiatry space, uh, I'm happy to give um, constructive feedback uh, and, you know, not just rumors and gossip, and I'm not going to try to shill or sell my own services too hard, but I definitely can uh, provide some insights as far as what the different opportunities are available out there when it comes to marketing practice. So, no, this is a great conversation, Tyson. I always enjoy um, our back and forth, and I can't wait till we can do it again. Yeah, no, it's fantastic, Jim. And I'll talk again next week. Sounds great. Okay, bye. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Podiatry Marketing with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Subscribe and learn more at Podiatry Marketing. That's the website address, podiatry.marketing.